Well, good morning, church. How are y'all doing? Happy Valentine's Day for all of y'all. Guys, it is Valentine's Day, and you can play off on the snowstorm, so just remember that. I was going to get you something, sweetie, but it's snowing. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, for those of y'all who don't know me, I am Barry. I'm the youth pastor here. It's working out for you, ain't it? I saw that. I saw that. Look, all right. <laughs> I'm the youth pastor here this morning. Uh, Brother David has uh, graciously given up his pulpit for some reason to let us preach. Uh, we're going to cover the next couple, more, uh, next couple weeks again. And uh, we, he picked our songs. Uh, sorry, he picked our psalms uh, this week. So my sermon is Psalm 23. Um, we have, and I want to start off this. I want to thank, I don't give this, this chance often enough. I want to thanks the, thank the band, Brian, and the worship team up here. They are great. I mean, we have some talented individuals in this church. Yes, yes. Uh, not only the band, I mean, we've got a tech team that back there that, that is awesome. Uh, the welcome team. We've got a creative team. That, that bumper uh, that, that comes up right before we come up, uh, I, they, they showed it to us in staff meeting about a month ago, and I couldn't hear it. I saw it, and it looked great, but, but I really couldn't hear it. And last week when I was sitting here listening to Joe preach, and, and I heard the, those. How many of you in here have ever heard a real vinyl record play? Like, like the vinyl records, right? It brought me back to my childhood. I, I'm not going to lie. It brought me back. Those clicks and those pops, oh, man, I was like, it flooded me, and like it made me smile last week when I heard that, and it brought me back to my grandparents' house. Uh, growing up southwest Louisiana, uh, right on the Mermintal River, about three miles from the Gulf of Mexico, uh, we, my grandma would, would had, a, had a giant, and I'm saying, like it was like a console, giant record player, and she'd always have vinyl records going, some songs that I'd never heard again since since that time, and every once in a while, I'll hear an old country song that, that'll play on the radio, and it brings me back, and, but I, those pops and those clicks, I just started remembering that last week, and it was so awesome, like, like that sound, and it's funny how songs do that, right? Like, I remember sitting on the front porch, drinking some uh, homemade root beer, and, and just dancing. I know we're Baptists, but it's only a sin if you can't dance. Um, Learning how to dance French music with my grandparents and my great aunts and just enjoying the afternoons with them. And then, like, because where they lived, every year she'd start packing for hurricane season. Hurricane season was kind of bad there. Three miles from the Gulf, you don't understand why. So she'd pack, and she'd put all of her important papers in a safe that we could just pick up, and a fire safe that we could just pick up and leave with. And she'd pack up all these things, and she had these crates of these vinyl records, and you had to grab those. When we packed up, you had to pick those up. And I mean, she would leave stuff on the walls and pictures and other stuff. And I'm like, Momo, why, why, are, we, why are we picking up these vinyl records where, where you've got all this other stuff on the wall that, that's worth way more money? She goes, those, those contain all my memories. She goes, those, those are our family get-togethers. Those are all of our memories. And, and those are more important to me. I can replace that stuff on the wall. These I can't replace. And I've never forgot that. And, and I remember my grandpa, he, he bought finally, he bought this, this record player that had a double cassette tape on it. Y'all remember those? And, and he, he took all those, those vinyl records and put them on cassette tapes so he could listen to them on the car because they, they lived about two and a half hours from our house. So they would drive down every couple of weeks. So he, he had that music he could listen to on the way down. And I just remember that. Then I remember one Christmas, my dad actually bought a, a record player that plugged into the computer. 
And he, he ripped all the, the vinyl records onto, onto the computer so he could make them CDs, so they could have CDs to listen to as a Christmas present. And I just remember all those times and all those, those memories of music. And it brought back some smiles. This morning, as we walk into Psalm 23... I think Psalm 23 kind of gets a bad rap. At least it got with me this, morning, uh, this week, or I'm sorry, a couple months ago when Brother David assigned me to, to, to do psalms. Like, I, I am not a psalms guy. Like, it, I, I love the Old Testament, Nehemiah, you know, pulling people's beards. That, that's me, right? I am not artistic, and I don't have, I'm kind of jealous because I don't have any musical ability whatsoever. Like, like, Brother Mike doesn't even let me sing in the choir because it's that bad. Like, I have nothing, right? I can't keep tune, I, I can't clap on tune, nothing, and it's bad. So Psalms is not, not, not my place. And the more I studied Psalms this week, especially Psalm 23, right, like even if you didn't grow up in church, you know, you know this psalm, like you've at least heard it. It's preached at every funeral, that, just about every funeral that, that somebody does, Psalm 23 comes out, and, and it's just that, that psalm, and I was like, come on, can I have something else, please, please? And uh, Brian, of course, uh, Music Boy is ecstatic. He's like, woohoo, I preached them all. I'm like, mm. um, like, good for you, Brian. Um, but right, so, so I get Psalm 23, and I, and I get it, and I love it. And, but the more I, I dug into it this week, and the more I studied it, the more it came out to me, right? And, and I want to I give you a little bit of the background of Psalm 23 before we get in there, so that way you can feel that as, as I did this week. Psalm 23, the, the origins of Psalm 23 comes from 2 Samuel chapter 13 to chapter 19. And it's probably one of the biggest failures, one of the biggest failures of David's life. And it, it involves his children. Uh, David, of course, had multiple wives. Uh, he did a lot of wives with, with other kingdoms to build treaties and all this other stuff. So David had one son, his third son, named Absalom. And the Bible describes him. He, he's, he's pretty. He, he's got long flowing hair and all these things. And he has a sister. His sister's name is Tamar. And she is also described as very beautiful. And then he has an older son, his firstborn son, Amnon. Amnon uh, actually falls in love with his half-sister, and because it is his half-sister, he, he, he can't do anything. He, the Bible actually says he gets sick because of how much he loves her. And, and so one of his buddies, you know, always listen to a, another teenage guy. That's always a great thing to do. Um, come up with a plan, right? They come up with a plan. They fake that he's sick. So Tamar will come over and will take care of him and feed him. And he gets her alone and he rapes her. And when he's, when he's, when he's finished... He actually, it actually says that he hates her more than he loved her. And he, and he pushes her out of the house and he, and he gets rid of her. And what does a baby sister do when, when, when something's bad happened to her? She runs to her big brother. And her big brother, Absalom, takes her, takes her into his house uh, and takes care of her for the rest of her life, actually. And David hears of this and David does absolutely nothing. David fails at this account as a father uh, Absalom waits two years. He, he waits a whole two years, plotting his revenge. And finally, after two years, he throws a big party at his house, and all of David's sons come over. 
and they're eating and drinking and they're celebrating and Absalom has, uh, Absalom has Abnon killed right there in front of all of his brothers. His brothers all get up and they, they flee back to Jerusalem. Word comes to David that Absalom has killed all of your sons and David just goes in the morning. He, he, he loses it. And then a little while later, the word comes back that it wasn't all of your sons, David. It, it, it was just your oldest, Abnon. And Absalom takes off and he runs to his mother's dad's or his grandfather's house to his other kingdom and stays there for a few years and hides out and, and lives there, fear of what his father might do to him. After a period of, of, of three years or so, uh, David's servants see David just eating himself up, missing his son. So they set some things up. They, set some, they tricked David into bringing Absalom back. And Absalom comes back and he lives in the kingdom for two years. He lives in Jerusalem looking up at David's palace, but not invited in. He's not allowed to go through the gates. David won't see him. Absalom takes some, some matters into his own hands again, and, and he kind of he weaves his way, and he finally gets a meeting with David, and he throws himself down and begs for mercy, and David forgives him, and all is well. Absalom then walks out of there and spends the next four years planning his revenge on his father, David. He, he sits there and he, 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 wel- he sits at the king's gate and as, as Israelites are coming in, he welcomes them. And if they're going to see uh, David for a court case, he, he gives them, he flatters them. He, he's a good politician, right? He, he shakes their hands, he kisses babies. He does all those things to make them like him. And, and, and after four years, he goes to Hebron and basically takes some guys with him and he declares himself king. And he's coming to Jerusalem to take over. And David hears this. And David gathers about 600 army guys, military guys, and, and some other people. So he's got about 1,000 people with him. And he flees Jerusalem. And as he's fleeing Jerusalem, as he's leaving, and as he's, he's walking into the wilderness again, this is where Psalm 23 is written. In probably one of the lowest times of David's life, he puts pen to paper and he writes this. So here's what I want you to know out of, out of the sermon this morning. If God is a shepherd to everyone, but most importantly, he's a shepherd to me. You got that? God is a shepherd to everyone. Everyone who asks, everyone who comes to him, he's their shepherd. But even in the low times, he's a shepherd to me, and he's a shepherd to you. As we kick off and as we get Psalm 23, again, you, you've probably read it. You probably know it. It'll be up on the screen. If you want to read it with me, that's great. But let's start it off. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right, right. like, do, do you feel David's tension his distress as he writes these words. 
I mean, this isn't the first time David's ran for his life, right? David has ran for his life multiple times. Uh, Saul tried to kill him. The Philistines tried to kill him. But this is his own flesh and blood. This is his own son. And as David writes this psalm, and as David's on the run for his life, he knows that only one of them is going to survive. That Absalom's betrayal and the things leading up to this, that, that his failure as a father have led to the point that it'll either be Absalom or it'll be him, but neither one can, both of them cannot live. One of them has to die so the other can stay king. Do you feel that tension? Do you feel that, that, that heartache? There's some things we, we get out of this psalm, Right? He starts off the psalm in verse 1, proclaiming the Lord, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He ends the psalm in verse 6, proclaiming the Lord. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David praises the Lord no matter what. In verse 2 and 3, you, you see David refer to God as he, right? He refers to, he makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. And then in verse 4 and 5, David switches it. He switches referring to God as he and referring to God as you. And he says, you are with me. Your rod, your staff. You prepare. You anoint me. It's this switch in David's language. It's this switch in the way David refers to God. And it's John Piper who said it. And he said, don't talk about God for too long before you start talking to God. Don't talk about God for too long before you start talking to God. Right? And that's what David does here. As, as he opens with a praise and he closes with a praise and he talks about God, then he talks to God. And his comfort and everything that, that, that flows through David, no matter what stage of his life he's in, no matter if he's sitting as king on top of the hill or he's running through the valleys, he will praise God. You see what we get? from this relationship with, with, that David has with God is we get this, that your relationship with God is personal, but it ain't private. You will have a personal relationship with God. But ladies and gentlemen, it ain't private. As you walk through life and as we've walked through a COVID year, your relationship with God is on full display. Do you understand that? It's what lights David's path. It what gets him through the day. And for some of us, this past year has been really rough. This past year has been really hard. And, and there's some days that I ain't gonna lie, that I had to hold on to God. There's some days it took me everything I had not to throw my computer out of a window, listening to a press conference, right? 
As I hear of students suffering and students hurting, because I am the youth pastor, and that, that's kind of my world, like I deal with parents and, and listening to the parents, ministering to the parents, and listening to how their kids are suffering, my frustration is through the roof. And there's days all I can do is pray. There's days all I can do is lean on God and know that my personal relationship with God is on full display. So I want you to hold on to that. I want you to count on to that as we walk into this. As David praises God, as, as we look here in verse 2 and 3, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, lie, he, uh, he leads me behind, b- beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. So David is doing this thing where, where, where he's a shepherd, right? David grew up as a shepherd, as a boy. He's referring to God as a shepherd, so he knows what he's talking about. And as he looks out, and he knows that no matter how bad it gets, that people, that sheep need to rest. So he leads them to green pastures. And it says he lies them beside still water, still waters. And the problem with this, and I learned that this week, is that sheep are scared by running water. The noise scares them. It's one of the best things in the world I've ever heard. It was just a, a creek running. That noise is probably one of the most relaxing things I can think of, right? But, but to that, to, to a sheep, that scares them. So, so the shepherd would get out, wade out into the stream or, or the pool, and he'd set rocks down to stop the water from flowing right there because the sheep were just scared and they wouldn't go to the water. So he'd set up these pools so the sheep could come in and the sheep could drink and they could get refreshed. As I read that, as I read, as I read that, and I was reading 2 Samuel, trying to get the whole story. Uh, 2 Samuel 16, verse 14. David is fleeing from Jerusalem. Everything has happened and, and he, he's fleeing And it says this, it says, And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. God is like a glass of cold water on a hot day. It just refreshes your soul. When you're weary and you're tired and everything's going wrong and there's nothing you can do to get right, sometimes just resting in God refreshes you. And that's what David is doing here. David's looking at this, and he's like, he's like we're, we're running for our lives. We're, we're, we can't go anymore, and God is refreshing my soul. He goes, and he says, he leads me on the path of righteousness for his namesake. And, and that, 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 that his namesake, referring to the shepherd, the sheep, as a, for a shepherd, the sheep were all you had. If you lost one or, or, you, or some of them got killed or, or you went to the wrong place or you didn't get them back home, you had a bad reputation as a shepherd. You were considered not a good shepherd and you wouldn't get the flocks, you wouldn't get the sheep and you, you, would, you would starve. You, you wouldn't make any money. So a good shepherd was all about his reputation, and it was all about leading the sheep properly. And I don't know about you, 
But when you get to the New Testament and we refer to Jesus as the good shepherd, he says that no one can take you out of my hand, right? I will not lose anyone that the Father has given me. Like, Jesus is the good shepherd, and that's, that's what we hold on to. That's what David, David is holding on to the promise that God has made him, that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, that God is going to be with him, that there will always be somebody on the throne. And David holds on to that. As we get to verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David walking through the valleys outside of Jerusalem that he probably guided his own sheep through with these canyons and, and, and these, these cliffs, with, 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 with caves that were known to have robbers that were good places to hide, in kind of a dark place where the, where the sunlight didn't always come in. David echoes back to those times. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I know you will protect me. The problem with us is we don't always agree with the way God protects us, right? Sometimes it's just not what we want. God, I want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I want to drop about 80 pounds, you know, whatever. That's, that's me, I'm sorry. Um, right? No, right? Like it, I, but the way God works us and the way God uses us and the way God plays into our lives, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's not the way we want to play it out. I guarantee you, David did not want to flee from his son threatening to kill him. David wanted his kingdom to go on. It was a time of peace. There was nobody else. There's the problem with, with this period in David's life. He was at peace. There was no wars around him. This one is an internal battle. This one is his own flesh and blood. And David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 5, you see this where, where it transitions from God being a shepherd to God being a great host of the banquet. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, you anoint my head with oil and your cup overflows. The, the crazy thing is that David knows that God has him, right? David knows where his strength lies. It doesn't lie in the way he can swing a sword. It doesn't lie on the 600 guys that are with him. Like, it li his strength lies in the Lord. And for David to, to put this out, and for David to say that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you see, in that custom for that day, if you were a guest in somebody's house, your safety was guaranteed by the host. He would do anything in his power to keep you safe. And for David to, to call God the great host is a marvelous picture of safety and security. See, the thing... Think about verse 6. Verse 6 really hit me this week. 
Because it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, our English wording, we, we don't do it justice. I'm just going to be honest. We, we just don't do that justice. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. That, that, that picture of follow me, it, it's, it's pursuing. It's pursuing you at all costs, right? It's this picture of a police officer when, when you've broken the law and, and they're just chasing you down, right? I ain't a lot, I've learned about that the five years I've lived here in New Mexico. I've lived here five years now. I, I now, as of two weeks ago, have written warnings in Texas, New Mexico, in Arizona, um, and, and that cop in Arizona a couple weeks ago pursued me. Uh, she should have waited about a couple more minutes because then she'd have wrote me a ticket because I'd have been going a lot faster. She just caught me coming off of an exit, um, and I saw her. <laughs> Thank you, God, right? But like, I, I've had, I understand what it means by pursuing, right? I was a police officer. I, I get the pursuing, and for God to pursue me at all costs, to, to look at me, you get this picture that a loving God pursues you, pursues you all the days of your life. It should be up on the screen that a loving God pursues you all the days of your life. How, how can you rest in that? David rested in the fact that God was pursuing him. As you get to this verse 6, right? As you get to verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, coming to the end of the psalm, knowing God, knowing, knowing what's happening, he just wants to be in the presence of the Lord. Whether it's back in Jerusalem where he left the, the tabernacle and, and he could just worship God, or whether it be in his presence in heaven. David said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It echoes so much, to me at least, and my brain works different than everybody else's, and I get that, but it echoes to me Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, where Paul writes, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether in life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. David echoes out as, as his failures as a father, as his failures as a king. God, you have promised that I will dwell. I will dwell with you forever in the house of the Lord. That same promise is made to us through Jesus' death and burial and resurrection on the cross that we have the same opportunity to come to God as David did. Say, God, forgive me. 
Help me in my times. I'm going to conclude with this. And for all of us who believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior, our hope is secure. We, like David, can call him our shepherd, our, our host, and our God. For those of us in this room who don't know him, that have put up with this psalm today, hear it. And please hear it as a psalm not of death, but a psalm of life. Make this psalm be the psalm that echoes your life as a follower. We've had it rough. We've had a rough year. And today is the day that you can hear this psalm. You can hear God as a shepherd calling you to come into your rest, to come to a place where he will be with you and he will comfort you and he will pursue you and he will forgive you and he will love you. If you don't know him, there'll be people up front that can talk to you as the band plays. Don't leave here today not knowing. Use this song as the psalm of your life, not of death. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to worship you, to love you, to come before you, Father. Father, thank you for all that you've done, for making us, for calling us to be your servants, to having us even in the dark valleys. Help us to praise you. And help us to call you our Lord and our servant, our, our Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.